0: Have your sports curiosity cured. Fourth
1: and a long three, yard. Set, two. two for the touchdown.
0: Goff looking to throw. Throws back to yeah. the end. Right. Touchdown. to Detroit
2: again. Three for three. A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25
0: years. We have Fant in at left tackle. This one goes to Brevin Jordan, the tight end. Makes a man miss.
3: And then shows off the speed. Jordan pedal to the middle. He's
0: gone. Touchdown Texans. 76 yards. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. McDavid for Bouchard. Bouchard for Connor McDavid. Off to Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl back for McDavid again. McDavid moving in with it. Hands up. Bouchard fires the overtime winner and it's a franchise record for the Edmonton Oilers 10 straight victories
1: sports radio is back in the Edmonton area this is sports 1440
0: and the Kevin Carius show
3: All right, here we go for Saul 91, January 16th, and for the first time in what, four, five, six days, didn't wake up to minus 30, first time, minus 16 out there, balmy, beautiful, and uh, looking probably to kind of get out of the deep freeze, it's still going to be cold, it's like a low of minus 27 tonight, kind of fitting that the Leafs are in town, I I hear through the grapevine that a lot of members of the Toronto media have not been dealing well with the temperatures in Edmonton since their arrival in the City of Champions. Uh, Good morning, welcome to the Kevin Carey Show. Glad you could uh, tune in, glad you could be with us for the next four hours. We have a jam-packed show, we'll get to all our guests later, but uh, so glad you could uh, join us on a... Frigid, still frigid, Tuesday morning. Uh, shoot us off a text at 1-833-401-1440. Of course, you're likely listening on your AM radio dial at 1440, or you can check us out on the website at 1440.ca or all our platforms and apps uh, across the board. Um, Oilers in action tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs in. And- I guess you could say, then there was one. Last week, we were talking about all the teams in the NHL with long, really long winning streaks. Uh, the Oilers are the only one that have uh, kept that run going with 10 straight wins. You know, Seattle, Florida, and Winnipeg all saw their streaks end in some form, some shape, form, or another last week or on the weekend. But the Oilers are continuing to Ride a hot hand and, as a result, sit in the uh, second wild card spot. 47 points, two back of Nashville, but five games in hand on Nashville and four games in hand on the Seattle Kraken. So, I mean, Chris Knobloch, since he arrived, the Oilers have gone 20-6, and uh, eight-game winning streak, 10-game winning streak. Chris Knobloch is the first coach in NHL history to have two winning streaks of eight or more games, One's 8, one's 10, obviously, before his 25-game mark coaching in the NHL. Like, that's just insane. So you see where the Oilers are, uh, where they were, and where they're going. Toronto comes in with a record of 21-12-8, and, and you know what? The Leafs, despite, you know, everything that we talk about in Toronto, I mean, the center of the universe, it's all been well-documented. The Leafs, are they're not a lock of making a playoff spot. They just aren't. They have a couple of games in hand on some teams. But Toronto sits out east with 50 points. Detroit's got 49 points. Tampa's got 49 points. You know the Lightning will be coming. Uh, Detroit, we're still kind of trying to figure that team out right now. But Toronto right now, you know, they're third in the Atlantic with 50 points. They're seven back of Florida. And then when you look at the wild card race, there's so many teams, Detroit, Tampa, Pittsburgh, you know, Pen- Penguins went again last night by uh, uh, a shutout to Sidney Crosby uh, with a, a couple of goals, and that ended Seattle's nine-game winning streak. So it's tight. There's not a lot of room for error, and we saw that at the beginning of the year with the Oilers. I mean, it took them a long time to dig out of this hole, and to be honest, the Oilers aren't even really out of the hole yet. You know, they might be just climbing over the ridge and seeing what's going on, but they still got a lot of work to do. Also last night, Columbus beat Vancouver in a shootout. As we mentioned, Pittsburgh shuts out Seattle 3-zip. Big, big night in Minnesota. Really big night. Uh, 5 nothing. wild over the New York Islanders. Mark andre Fleury picks up his 552nd win. Man, that's a lot of wins. 552. He's now second on the all-time wins list for goaltenders, just past Patrick Waugh and behind Marty Brodeur, who's got 691, and you kind of get the feeling uh, that that's not going to be passed. Text coming in, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Here's uh, L-Nate, or E-I-Nate as we like to call him. Only 17 row wins uh, in regulation. Regulation or overtime wins for Toronto. Least of any playoff team by a mile. Inflated record to say the least. We'll see what happens tonight. It will be an interesting game. Uh, but Mark andre Floria, congrats again. Outstanding career. He's, you know, he's 20 years. 20 years in the NHL. Played most of his seasons in, in Pittsburgh, obviously. But, you know three Stanley Cup championships, uh, left the pens in 2017. And that's, you know, that's he won a, a Vesna. You know, he didn't win a Vezina in Pittsburgh, but he won one in Vegas in 2021. So still giving her, still, you know, cracked the 1,000 game mark for a goaltender, which is crazy number. But, you know, just a, an outstanding, outstanding uh, career. We'll see what happens with Minnesota. Maybe Fleury's a guy that is on the move, at the trade deadline, but that will be uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. All right, last night in the NFL, holy moly, Philadelphia just absolutely abysmal. This is a team that no one even knows what's happened to this team. You start the year at 10-1, and they get clocked last night, 32-9 in Tampa Bay. It's We haven't seen a downward spiral like this after a 10-1 and start in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, you have to give him props. Had a very good game. He could have had, well, I mean, yeah, I think he was 330 yards passing. Probably could have had about 450 without the drops. He played well, and here's a stat for you, Duke. Baker Mayfield, two playoff wins. Dak Prescott, two playoff wins. What's that say to you, Duke? Little uh, overinflated Dak Prescott, maybe?
1: I think it maybe goes to show that we have uh, continuously undervalued Baker Mayfield since he was the first overall pick out of the Big 12 Mm -hmm. um, coming to us from Oklahoma. I mean, like, he, I don't know if Cleveland got a little too, um, you know, uh, high on their horse when they escorted him out of town because, like, they had waited how long to actually have a real quarterback there. Baker Mayfield took them to the playoffs, won them a playoff Mm -hmm. game. And then, you know, uh, a bit of another downtrodden year and out the door he goes, uh, stopping Carolina uh, and then briefly in L.A. before now landing in Tampa. And after this, you have to think he's back as Tampa starter um, next year. Yeah, I think they got to be careful with what they offer. Him. But, well, the, the money thing will be big for sure. And, and even even term because he's obviously still a young guy. But I think he's he's done enough to earn himself. Um, a starting job next year. Maybe it's with Tampa. Maybe it's with another team looking for a veteran guy. But you have to keep in mind Tampa, obviously, with a lot of talent uh, around him too: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White, mm-hmm. and company. So uh, it, it was a it was a great game for the Bucks. Um, but Philadelphia the Eagles are are like, the Eagles the worst eleven win team of all yes, of all time without without question. It, like it was not at any Did we point not ta- close.
3: Like a month ago, month, oh yeah, month and a half ago. Every week we went on the air, Duke, and said. The Eagles are the worst nine or 10 win team. They're the worst <laughs> 11. 11, win team. and it, then, well then they stayed that,
1: it. They stated that yeah. for the rest of the season, right? So it, there um, was
3: zero emotion. they showed up, they quit, they quit in the game. Zero emotion. This is a team that they lost the Super Bowl last year. and I mean, you get off to a start of 10 and one, and everyone's going, okay, Philadelphia's there again, or they're going to be close. And they're not even there were better teams that did not make the playoffs. In Philadelphia
1: a hundred percent like way more like watching that game I couldn't Like it was the worst tackling display I've ever seen I didn't think it would get any worse than what we saw from the Dolphins on Saturday night <laughs> somehow it did get worse and it, they didn't have any cold weather or snow or no yeah. sleeves on as an excuse in those games like the cold weather games you can
3: I get it how and Eddie would be great to talk to It's just you you have a tough time grab and you have a tough time uh wrapping up a guy but I Last night, you know, you're in Tampa Bay, it's perfect weather, and these guys had nothing, they wanted nothing to do with tackling. After the game, uh, Jason Kelsey announced that he will be retiring, longtime center for the Eagles, and he, he's got lots of time to eat more of those Pinty's chicken wings, I guess. I guess so. He'll be on a panel somewhere.
1: Oh, you have to think so. Between that and continuing his own um, his own media foray with Mm -hmm. uh, his brother Travis, his their podcast and stuff. I mean, he's he's as likable guy as there is across the NFL, which is even more impressive having played for the Eagles because so many people hate Philly and hate the Eagles Mm -hmm. uh, across the NFL. But Jason Kelsey's just an all time Hall of Fame guy um, and one of the greatest centers to ever ever play the game. He's been uh, the fact he was still playing at this level at his age was made even more impressive. So I think
3: if you really took a deep dive into watching him you could see his play fall off the,
1: yeah i i think so you know, I, but I, I, I
3: mean again that's a lot of snaps that's you know when you're when you're a center or you're a nose tackle i mean that's a lot that's a lot of collisions that's a lot of banging for a lot of years and a great career uh, for Kelsey. So, I mean, defensively, I mean, you look at Matt Patricia on the sideline. I mean, I, I just wish a guy, I'd like to go by him and take that pencil out of his ear and then, you know, when you were in, in grade 10 or 11, you put it between your fingers and you'd put it wrapped, <laughs> hammered on your leg and, and you just snap that thing <laughs> in half. I would just love to do that That's once. what you'd like
1: to do to Matt Patricia. Yeah, Patricia's just grab pencil. it out of there
3: and just snap the pencil in half. So, I mean, he took over for Sean Desh- Don- Sean Deshye, Yeah, what, half halfway through or whatever it was. No difference. And... I think the Eagles have so many questions right now. So you know what's funny? You, the NFC East, when you looked at the Giants and Washington, everyone was laughing at them. And now you have the two big horses out of there just get pumped in, the, in just absolutely throttled in the first round of the playoffs. Cowboys and Eagles, supposedly the cream of the crop, you know what, we were fighting it out, uh, NFC championship, Super Bowl aspirations. Two teams that couldn't have lost worse in the opening round of the
1: playoffs. 100% agree. And, like, it begs the question, like, all year it was the, you know, the battle for the NFC East and the Cowboys and Eagles, two legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And even the, you know, even the commanders, people are like, oh, if they played in a different division, this might be a, a different story for them. Because, yes, their defense couldn't mm-hmm. stop anything, but they could score points. Like, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's as bad as the NFC South or or even maybe the uh the AFC South to certain extent but like this division is is not good they can pile up wins against each other as much as they want but when the, when the push comes to shove no pun intended with the Phillies uh go-to play on offense is that they simply can't they cannot get it done and yes the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year but this like this is virtually returning the same roster with mm-hmm. a few exceptions, and yes, they are a little banged up. No AJ Brown being the biggest note on offense, but like like you said, Kevin, it was not close at any point, and zero. there was zero compete level from again.
3: It was the same thing we talked about it, you know, yesterday with you know, like a guy like CD Lamb, yeah, no contesting a ball. Like there, it was just zero. Uh, very. We'll see what Frank has to say. He's going to be down. Holy cow! At eight <laughs> o'clock. Really excited for tonight's Oilers-Leafs game. Uh, anytime the Leafs or the Habs come to town, it is an exciting time because there are a lot of fans in the building. We see so many. Uh, and one of the neatest aspects when these two teams come to town is pregame warm-up. If you ever get a chance, and if you're going to the game tonight, maybe go down a little earlier and just watch warm-up and watch the amount of people that are, are around not only the Oilers end, but the Leafs end. These are people that don't have the tickets down there, obviously, but they come down for warm up, and they enjoy being close to their, you know, their heroes, their stars, and they bring in, you know, the big signs, and they've got, you know, throw me a puck, or you know, I drove so many miles to watch so and so play, or you know, uh, give me a stick for whatever. Da, 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 da. It's exciting. It's just a. It's a neat connection that the fans are able to have. And I really I don't know if there's another sport that has that. When you look at, you know, in the NFL, I mean, I guess when you, if you go to an Elks game in, in warm-up and things like that at the start of the, the game, you see a sprinkling of fans down low in the, the first row and things like that. But that's always one of the things that I enjoy, going to the game a little earlier when Toronto or Montreal are here and seeing that connection with the fans. And again, the Euler fans are great too because they're down there every game. It's just that we don't see the opposition team having the same effect. So it's basically all the way around the rink, not just a half horseshoe. So jam-packed show tonight. We will uh, have Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet uh, coming up right after the break. We'll talk uh, a little bit of uh, NFL. We'll probably touch a little bit on tonight's game, Toronto and and Edmonton. And Toronto and... uh, the Elks made a trade yesterday, so we'll touch on that with a rash. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, double uh, shotgun barrel coming to you at eight o'clock with our hockey insiders for on uh, for uh, on the mark for booster juice and uh, Mister Ruder for daily faceoffs. Frank Saravalli. every every Tuesday, our co-host Grant Fuhrer, from uh, well deep in the heart of beautiful Palm Desert, and. Uh, Coachella Valley played last night. Shut out Henderson. I was just trying to think what the score was. 3-0. And we were going to have Freddie Brathwaite on. We were talking about that last week because Freddie Brathwaite's the goaltending coach for Henderson, but just couldn't make it work with his time and practices and things like that. So we'll try to get Freddie on next week. But anyway, we'll uh, check in with Grant Fear from 9 to 11. An interesting guest at 920, Caitlin Slater, now the all-time ACAC wins leader in women's hockey for the Nate Oaks. So I think this will be a big thrill for her talking to Grant Fear, one of the all-time greats. Looking forward to 10 o'clock hour. Dennis Bayak just retired from the NHL and on TSN and World Junior Hockey Championship. His last game was great. And then Nick Kiprios, uh, Real Kipper and Born Show, will be with us at 10.20. When we come back, Arash Madani, Roger Sportsnet, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 722 in Edmonton, as we welcome in Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. Back to the show, uh, morning, Arash. Welcome back to Sports 1440.
0: Kevin, thanks for having me.
3: How we doing? Oh, doing great out here. Again, a little chilly, but not as cold as it's been for the last uh, five days. I was joking that all the Toronto media came in for the... Uh, Leafs game and they were, there were there's rumblings that they're not too happy about the temperature last night and what it's like today. So it is what it is out here. And just by the way, before we get to all the NFL, have you ever been out here in Edmonton when the Leafs were playing to cover a game and the atmosphere? We we're just talking about it
0: off the top. No, not for Leaf Soilers. Our friend Gene Principe would always mm-hmm. take care of all of that.
3: I just thought maybe um, you were, you know, traveling around or something and doing something like that.
0: No, I've done uh I've done a few of the mighty elks and whenever there's been a gray cup in Edmonton I've mm-hmm. uh, been in your fine city, but uh but not for uh not for the hopeless leaf. No, I have not. <laughs>
2: it's just
3: a different atmosphere. We were kinda of talking about it uh off the top of the show. But everyone in town really looking forward to that tonight. Uh, Wildcard weekend, super wild card weekend in the NFL. First all, you're going to Vegas for Super Bowl, I would assume. I am, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did you make? Let's just, last night, we were just talking about how it just looked so bad that, you know, Philadelphia quit, didn't show up. It was just a bad game by the Eagles. They they didn't, There were two or three teams that we thought that didn't make the playoffs that should have been in instead of Philadelphia the way they played
0: last night. Well, it wasn't just how they played last night. It's how they've been playing for the last two months. I mean, the Eagles started the year ten and one, and remember, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, that went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes, that led most of the night in that championship game. Now you start ten and one, Kevin, and you lose five of six down the stretch, and then including last night, six of seven. How the heck does a team that starts ten and one, coming off a Super Bowl uh, appearance, go one and six down the stretch? And I'll tell you what the eye test told me is that those players gave up. Like Nick Sirianni lost the room. He lost the players. And they're, you know he made the change a defensive coordinator to put Matt Patricia, who came over from the Patriots. That defense looked like they didn't even know how to tackle. Bad. Um, there were a lot of issues that showed up not just last night, but uh, but over the last couple of months.
3: Yeah, and just the way they were talking going into the game, Rash, maybe they felt that they could stop the bleeding a little bit, but it got worse. It was just... It, it got worse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, look, I know they were missing their number one receiver, but it wasn't about that last night. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be real here, Kevin. Tampa is not very good. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the other part here. They made Baker Mayfield look like Joe Montana last night. And... Jalen Hurts and Dallas Goddard are getting into an argument on the sideline, and it just, you know, our friends at the NCAA, they would call something like this a lack of institutional control. (laughs) Um, It just seemed like Sirianni lost the players. It seemed like the Eagles have lost the plot. Um, I, I don't know what happens next. But Jeffrey Lurie, Philadelphia's owner, has not been afraid to make a change. Remember, the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018. And two years later, Doug Peterson, their head coach, was out of a job. And that just now looks like Jason Kelsey's going to retire. Yeah. Their offensive line is pretty old. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are long on the two. They're like 14 years in the league or something. It just feels like... Kevin, the moral of the story is win when you can, because you never know when you can get back.
3: Arash Manani, Rogers Sportsnet, our guest on Sports 1440. Um, Bill Belichick met with Atlanta yesterday. We had several guests on yesterday talking about what's going on there with Bill Belichick. So now, would his name even surface in Philadelphia, do you think?
0: I think so. I think so. I wonder about Bill Belichick's former linebacker, Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. who... Just got uh, just parted ways with Tennessee. I, I don't know if Rabel was fired or if they both just had enough of each other. Yeah. Um, which is happening more and more now in sports. By the way, it's not just the owner saying I'm out; it's the coach going to the owner and saying this isn't working. We gotta we gotta make a move. But I, I still, you know, Kevin, I look around football right now and I still think two things. One, the most coveted job is the Chargers. Because they have the quarterback. They have Justin Herbert. They have a division that's really up for grabs. Denver's a mess. The Raiders are spinning their tires. And it feels like Kansas City, even though they're playing in the second round of the playoffs, they've taken a little bit of a step back. Mm-hmm. And the number one coach on the market is not Bill Belichick, believe it or not. Um, it's Jim Harbaugh coming off the national championship with Michigan, coming off the Super Bowl appearance um, with San Francisco. So I think the Harbaugh-Domino falls first, probably with the Chargers. But if it doesn't mean Harbaugh and the Chargers, then, you know, a lot is up in the air. So I think that's the first of a few interviews for Bill Belichick with NFL teams.
3: So, Arash, back to wild-card weekend, super wild-card weekend. Green Bay Packers, is that the number one story, number one takeaway for you or near the top of the list uh, moving on to next week?
0: Um, it, it was the biggest upset for sure in the way they did it. You know, they just clobbered Dallas, ran them out of the gym. Um, the other story that really intrigues me is the Buffalo Bills. So, Kevin, if we go back just over a month, on December the 11th, not that long ago, less than five weeks ago, the Buffalo Bills were six and six. Mm -hmm. And there were questions of, is Sean McDermott the head coach next week, let alone next season? Is Josh Allen a championship level quarterback? Is this, you know, is Stephon Diggs about to implode on this team? And you know, what's happened since Kevin, the bills haven't lost a Mm -hmm. game. And, Again, uh, with the expanded playoffs, there are teams that just don't belong in there. You know, Philly didn't belong in there. I know Tampa won the division, so they're going to get in. But Pittsburgh didn't belong in the playoffs. But Buffalo looked really good yesterday. Mm -hmm. They looked really, really good. The issue with the Bills is they just keep losing guys on defense. Linebacker, defensive back. Uh, To me, at a wild card weekend, the story is for sure, Green Bay upsetting Dallas. But the two teams that caught my eye were the Bills and the Detroit Lions. Because all of a sudden, Detroit has, the, you know, has home field for this week. They get Tampa coming to town. And they look good, and they're hot, and they have momentum, and that crowd is nuts. Uh, the most expensive ticket this weekend, Kevin, was not in Dallas. Mm-hmm. It was in Detroit. Uh, those, you know, they just won their first playoff game in more than 30 years. Um, they're hyped there in in Michigan. You can understand why.
3: Arash Madani with us on Sports 1440. And, yes, you can understand why when you have a coach like Dan Campbell, it, it, everyone is just, you know, not just the team has bought in. The city's bought in. The country's bought in. Everyone loves this guy. And they're going to follow him wherever he, wherever he wants to go. It seems that this team will follow him.
0: You know, i tell you what. Um, I don't even know if it went viral, but I saw it on social media. During one of the TV timeouts on Sunday night, the Jumbotron showed Eminem, <laughs> who was a Detroit guy, who's was a Michigan guy, and the crowd not only went nuts, but all of a sudden, together, 72,000 people just started singing Lose Yourself. <laughs> and... Sometimes these things just happen organically, and it just feels like this Detroit story. You know How many times, Kevin, have we seen and heard teams come into a season with a whole bunch of hype, and then they don't live up to it? No team coming into this season had more hype than the Detroit Lions. They've lived up to every bit of it, and a city that hasn't had a bit of hope for success with their football team is all in with it. And it's kind of fun to just follow it from afar and just watch it all unfold.
3: Arash Madani with us on Sports 1440. Before we get to Houston, another great story. I think we should give a few props to Tampa Bay because at the start of the year, I think everyone would have assumed that Tampa would have been in the market for a number one draft pick at the near the top of the list anyway, but you know, the Buccaneers put together a a pretty solid season and now down to the final eight and we'll play in Detroit as you mentioned. But Baker Mayfield, two playoff wins. We touched on it off the top. Dak Prescott, two playoff wins. You gotta give Baker a little prop here.
0: Well I think you gotta give him a lot and especially this whole the the new thing in sports has become bet on yourself. Right? And Fred Van Bleet um, I hope he trademarked it um, because it's his, but look at this situation that Baker went into in Tampa. You know, the Bucks a couple of years ago, when they brought Tom Brady in, when they brought Gronk in, when they spent all that money on vets on defense, and they won a championship, nothing wrong with it, but they knew at some point the reckoning was coming. The reckoning, Kevin, was supposed to be this year mm-hmm. because the Bucks had $80 million of their salary cap was a dead cap. So, Baker Mayfield came into Tampa betting on himself making $4 million bucks. Kirk Cousins is making $40 million bucks, And Baker Mayfield, at making backup, not even backup quarterback money, less than that, he's making less than Sam Darnold is this year, um, leads Tampa to a division title, leads Tampa to a – wild card home win and a Bucks team that wasn't supposed to do anything stuck in salary cap hell, as you mentioned, is now into the second round of the playoffs. And he's playing with a bad, bad rib, He's playing with a bad hand. He's playing with a bad knee and he's still out there slinging it. Um, pretty amazing for a guy, you know, who is, Cleveland and Carolina and the Rams and now Tampa. Um, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and Baker's about to get paid.
3: Arash Madani, uh, one last one for you. And I better talk about the Houston Texans or our producer, the Duke of Delburn will come over the top rope over the monitors here. <laughs> uh, big Texans fan. So here's another great story. I mean, led by C.J. Stroud. Having said that, they now the real bullets start flying next week in Baltimore.
0: They really do, and Baltimore is an interesting one because I've I thought they've been the best team in the AFC since early October. They, even in a loss to Pittsburgh, they look good. Now, here's the thing. Houston's offense is dynamic. They're young, they're athletic, they're fast, they're explosive. And so are the Ravens. And the only thing that worries me about the Ravens, Kevin, is their defense has just been decimated with injury. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kyle Hamilton's the leader back there, he's been banged up. And Marlon Humphrey's been banged up. If Baltimore can get through Houston, I think they have daylight the rest of the way. But this is actually going to be, this is the real test. Get through C.J. Stroud, who looks the furthest thing from a rookie. Um, I I know I just am contradicting myself when I said win when you can because you never know. But it really feels like this is just the beginning for a Texans team with all that youth, all those young players. It just feels like it's just the start of something there.
3: Any chance Green Bay can pull off another upset in San Fran?
0: Chance, yes, uh, because Jordan loves playing out of his mind. Um, Reality is probably unlikely because San Francisco is just so loaded with talent. Like, in a lot of ways, Dallas lost that game not because of Dak Prescott, who's taking all the heat. The quarterback always does. But because their defense was dreadful. And I look over at the San Fran defense, and I see I see Bosa, and I see Armstead, and I see Chase Young, and I see Fred Warner, and I see Jerry Greenlaw, and on and on it goes. I'm just not sure if the Packers' offense can do what it did against Dallas. And I think Green Bay's defense kind of gets exposed against all of the weapons that Brock Purdy has to work with. Well,
3: we're looking forward to another uh, big weekend. Uh, Enjoy it, Arash, and uh, have fun at the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll talk to you around that time just to kind of tee things up.
2: All
0: right, Kevin. Great to catch up with you.
3: Thanks, Arash. Take care, big guy. That's uh, Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, We're down to... The great eight uh, kick, and again, Houston first out of the shoots. Duke, Houston, and Baltimore Saturday afternoon, and then uh, we have got Green Bay at San Fran, and then Tampa at Detroit on Sunday afternoon, and then Kansas City in Buffalo. Come on, can Houston do it again? Can they? No.
1: Uh, I'm what, gonna what? I'm gonna approach it with the same. Cautious optimism that I did last weekend because I I didn't listen to you 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 were right like right I'm I'm hands up you were <laughs> right that that was a good match for the Texans and of course uh, the injuries uh, across the board played the role but like Arash just said Baltimore in a similar boat right now mm-hmm. so you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot and if they can get to, the Texans get this win I really like their chances up against <laughs> uh, either a Casey or a Baltimore team and a chance to go to the Super Bowl with a, a rookie head coach or uh, a, and a rookie quarterback is obviously. Crazy. Let's worry about
3: the first crazy game. Crazy even dude. think
1: about. Well, I mean, hey, I'm just saying. I'm saying. So you gotta you got it one step at a time. But uh, it should. We said this last weekend, and only one game ended up really being close of our six this past uh, super wild card round. All the matchups looked like they should be good all the way to mm-hmm. to Sunday afternoon, which I'm a big fan of the early the early quote unquote Sunday nighter. Yeah. Because I've got another Tropics game Sunday night. I won't have to watch it from the from the bench this time. I is it four thirty? What is it? Four thirty our time kickoff, okay. yeah, for for Chiefs Bill. So uh I was supposed to I've got to go home. There's supposed to be two senior outlaws games this weekend, making up for a postponed one from earlier this fall, Friday night and Sunday afternoon. I might be um telling the the crew that Sunday might be no good for me. And I was and my sister <laughs> might. Actually, my sister asked for some help tagging some uh, some calves that uh, didn't get done here with that cold snap over this past week. I might have to politely say, yeah, can't mm-hmm. uh, can't swing it. Sorry. Uh, I, well, I can't. This is what's happening. Just call it right now, Duke. <laughs> Just call it right now. I don't know. I they. I always seem to get guilted into doing these things regardless. So I
3: don't know. When we come back, Duke, a little bit of uh, this day in history update for you oh. because one of the stories that we talked about. I guess five weeks ago. Today was the last day of the, the journey. How's that sound? Okay. So I know you're just waiting on bated breath. And we'll get to some of your texts. one 1440 Stay with us. It's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Oh, the Duke with his 740 BA hit. This is a new one, Duke. I believe after 91 shows. It's the first time we've heard that one.
1: No, this one's, it's got to have been played nope. before.
3: First time. I know, how would I know? How would you? Yeah.
1: you keep keeping track over there? you got yes. you get notches in the desk?
3: <laughs> I have a BA list over here, Brian Adams. Duke, we have to update one of the greatest events in sports history today. January 16th, 1905, and we touched on this five weeks ago, that that team from Dawson City started its trek, started its trek in from Dawson City by foot, by dog sleigh, by the time they, they got to Whitehorse, then they had another, I think they got a little bit of a, maybe a small train somewhere to, uh, I guess, west, northwest Alaska, somewhere in there. And then they had to take a steamer to Seattle. Then they got to Vancouver. Then they took the train all the way across the country. It took them five weeks to get to Ottawa to challenge the Silver Ottawa seven. Senators, Ottawa oh. Senators for the Stanley Cup. They lost the first it was two game two game series, two game total goal. They lost the first game, I can't remember the score. I think it was, it was a nine, lot. Nine two I think though. Yeah. But game two was tonight in nineteen oh five. They lost twenty three to two.
1: Out of steam, I think. A <laughs> little
3: Frank McGee had an off night for Ottawa. Only scored fourteen goals. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I can't remember what texture it was. But oh they, was he mad? they did not really care for that little trip down memory lane you took us on. It was five, one of the best stories in our country's five, history five weeks ago. Yeah. And then the other thing about it, and I
3: didn't know in '97 they had uh, like a reunion, not a reunion, like a um, to commemorate the anniversary or whatever. And they played the game in Ottawa, raised some money for the children's hospital and things like that. So, uh, Text coming in uh, from Brandon. He's going to the Leafs and Oilers tonight. Fired up about it. However, he says, uh, when the Leafs are in town, always feels like a home game. Sucks. Uh, going with my brother-in-law, who's a Leafs fan, should be interesting. Star Farmer with his daily chime in. Boo, the Leafs are garbage. I hope they lose tonight. It's always great when, you know, the head coach gets a day off. Gets a day off from the media. Yesterday, that was the case for Chris Knobloch and Glenn Gullitson uh, pinch it, You know, and Glenn Gullitson, Duke, if you remember, would be our first ever Oilers guest on the show. I think our first guest was Chris Jones, I think. And then Glenn Gullitson came right after Chris Jones, I believe.
1: And then I think we had Chief. Uh, yeah,
3: Dale McPhee was at 9 o'clock, I remember, because yeah. he was in studio And we for had an Fra-
1: hour. Frank at 8.20. Yeah, I was talking
3: Speck about guests. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, uh, Speck and
1: Frank. Speck we and Frank. We, we're just already we casting them. them aside. Yeah, they're done. They're, no,
3: no. They're, but, Glenn Gulletson was driving. Remember, he was I, driving I, up
1: from Calgary. I recall it uh, quite vividly, actually. So, yeah.
3: did us a favor. I think we were trying to get a guest on, and at that time of the year, we really weren't sure what the hell was going on around here. Uh, but Gullett, Gully, and I go back a long way, probably into the uh, early '90s. He was playing in in the Western League at that time. He's from Hudson Bay. We've got a good, good mutual friend again, a Loaf of Breadhead back in Sasky, and uh, then Gully played for U of, U of S for the Huskies for a couple of seasons before he kind of got on, played semi-pro, and then got into a, a hell of a coaching career. And yesterday, Glenn Gullitson uh, met the media and talked about, you know, a couple of areas where he focuses on, including the power play.
1: Given the, the, that you guys just made team history, I know the coach's focus is next game, next game, working harder. Was, was there a moment to, to, to
2: recognize this amongst the staff, or how have you guys dealt with it? You know, I, I think... The way the players dealt with it, uh, we we didn't do much about it. We we we, we addressed it, which which I really liked. Nobber Nauber acknowledged it before the game, um, but it wasn't emphasized. So I thought he did a good job with that. And what I liked most of the pl- about the players is that um, it wasn't uh, something that caused them any angst. They were uh, they were just playing. They were in the similar mindset at eight, at nine, at at, at ten. So. Um, for me, I really like that about our, our team. I think that we've really settled down in one-goal games, up one, down one, late in games, going right back to Winnipeg, if you guys can remember that game. We've just had this real, uh, real sense of, of calm um, in, in those tight games, which I think is a big change for, us, for, for me over the last five years is that uh, we've matured in that fact that we're very comfortable in one-goal games. Glenn, when you look at the power play and you've overseen it now, and it's you know record setting last year, one year it's been at twenty nine percent, an average over four years, which is pretty ridiculous. So, it's at twenty five, which you know for most other teams would be like, yeah. And lately, it's around nineteen. Is it just the ebb and flows, or? what do you look for when, when your power play kind of dips and how do you get it back out? Yeah, you know, we've had dips before. Uh, I can remember right going back to when Hitch was here, we had some dips and uh, uh, just at different times of the year. It never runs, you know, you never go one for, you know, one for three, one for four, one for three, one for four. It doesn't run that way. You'll go for 10 and then you'll go two for three and then, you know, it, it runs that way. But what I look at as the bigger metric is just, are, are we still generating, right? Are we generating? And so I know when you watch those metrics that we're still generating most chances in the league uh, on the power play uh, you know, per, per, per minute of play. So um, it, are they going in at the same rate as they did last year? No, they're not. Last year what happened was we generated at the highest rate and we scored pretty much at the highest rate. So when those two things line up, you get a year like you have there, but they don't always line up. We've seen teams kind of change the penalty kill a little bit. I don't know if it was directly because of your team, but they're seeing more teams try it. How, how, how do you play that cat and mouse game? And, and is this new penalty kill, you know, like the 1-3 the, the up, how, how different is it and do you see any challenges at all? Yeah, no, there are challenges to that. And you can see that, uh, and, and I know where you guys are nibbling here, because you can see that uh, you go back to the Colorado series two years ago, they, they played that way against us. In Colorado, if you go back to, to to Vegas, actually they they came out starting to play that way against us. It's just a different way to kill. Really, it takes away your, your some of our players' natural looks that they like to get on the power play. Um, so we have had to adapt. Last couple summers, it's it's something that we've. Uh, did a deep dive into, uh, looking at how those goals are scored and uh, w- what else we can manipulate to, to try to, to counter that kill because it does change the natural looks that a PP gets and those guys get used to those looks. So the whole league's adapting, not just us, but the whole league's adapting. But um, it, it is a little tougher for our type of power play, that type of kill. So we, we, we are kind of uh, messing with a few things to, to look at what else we can exploit. The penalty killing had struggled with the exception of one year under Dave tippett. It's been third in the league
0: since Chris has taken over. Obviously Mark Stewart's taken some ownership, but just ownership itself a thought on sort of limiting a bit who gets deployed amongst the forwards specifically and 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 what you're as a as a coach, you're watching this progression because it's a significant reason why the team's run off the record it has.
2: Yeah I, I think uh, a few years ago we were second in the National Hockey League I think under Jimmy Playfair and, um, and then um, uh, what Stewie, Mark Stewart's done a really good job, a, a, a tremendous job of, of kind of bringing it all together here a little bit. I think one of the biggest changes that we've went to um, Uh, is not a whole lot of structure we added a a little bit of some stick detail Mark's been really good with stick detail Um, but what Stewie's added to is just we we had a a designated group of killers and we haven't uh, you know we haven't juggled our killing uh, our killers and you know we got designated pairs we've got guys that know that this is part of their job and there and then once guys know that they take a little bit they take pride in that right that's their little piece of the pie in a hockey game and i think um we've stabilized it from just our deployment and uh i think mark's done a really good job of working with just a specific group of six seven guys and they know they're killing mostly in pairs and uh then they can read off each other. You become a little bit better instinctual killers. So uh, I think he's headed that in the right direction. Hi, Glenn, just back here. Hey. Um, and during this win streak, you've had some comeback wins in the third period. Is that a confidence thing, or what do you credit the team's ability to come back kind of late in some of these games? Yeah, I, like I said, going back even to Winnipeg, uh, when we were down in that game and, and came back late, the, the the air on the bench is different than it used to be. The air on the bench had some particles of panic. It doesn't have that anymore. It it just doesn't have that anymore. It, it 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 has an element of calm and confidence, and that's a big thing for a hockey club. And and, and I I attribute it just to that the maturation of that of the player. All right, that's uh,
3: Oilers assistant coach Glenn uh, Text coming in one eight three three. 401, 1440. and Corey, it works, is tonight's the night. Toronto media finally gets to see Matthews versus McDavid 2024. Maybe they will finally realize that the two are not on the same level at all. Let's go, Oilers. Anthony in the hats says, don't let the nudge down by letting Leaf fans out cheer you in your barn, and he mentioned that yesterday. Uh, displaced you, Connor. We've had some uh, comments from him, uh, not for a while, but he goes, just want to point out the Dawson City Nuggets have just as many cups as the Nucks. <laughs> that is very true. Zero. I didn't know they were the Nuggets, though. I just, whatever. Dawson, it's a great story, though, Duke. I'm surprised we haven't felt the wrath of anyone coming in. It's a... Uh, well it's a hundred and what twenty hundred and seventeen hundred and eighteen years ago holy smokes that was a that would have been a tough trip though you could have handled you would have been able to handle it though do great right?
1: just no chance why not i'm so we i think we went over this yesterday nah, Kevin I'm soft, soft. <laughs> and I can't remember who texted in it was it was the one Some, funny one of of all the people that were giving me the gears about my takes on the players wearing sleeves, sleeves and, yeah. uh the one guy said I was an entitled gen zer yeah for thinking that the players should wear sleeves. When it's cold out, I don't know how those two things line up with that. I enjoyed you getting take. a little heat. I
3: take a lot of the heat here, which is the way it's supposed to be. But I enjoyed you getting the odd little blast. Wait, and there I, I'm
1: totally okay with it. I'll, I'll take the flack. if people don't agree with me. I'll happily hear hear you out. I mm-hmm. mean, like I'm I'm entitled to my opinion just as much as everyone else is entitled to theirs. But yeah, that I can't. I wish I could remember who actually sent it in so I could give them credit. But yeah, I'm an <laughs> en, I'm entitled Gen Zer. Because I think that if you're cold, you should wear sleeves. (laughs) (laughs) Top of the hour. It'll be uh, Mark Spector from Rogers
3: Sportsnet on the mark uh, for Booster Juice. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round this weekend. Saturday and Sunday, two playoff games, both on Saturday, both on Sunday. You could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.